All right. Welcome back, everyone. Um, welcome to the podcast. Today we have a really special guest on, uh, pastor of Fremont Church and my good friend, Josh Hawkins. Thanks for coming on. Hey, man. How's it going? <laughs> so today we're going to be talking about um, the Enneagram. Josh is a self-proclaimed super fan of the Enneagram, and Enneagram, you teach on it too, Enneagram right? super fan. Enneagram super fan. I, I have yet to actually teach on it. Trying, I'm just trying to think about if I've actually done any real teaching on it. No, I haven't. Oh, that's fine. I've done a lot of talking about it. <laughs> I've done a lot of reading about it, and uh, but I haven't like you know had a class or a or, you know whatever. Right, right, right. Um, so just starting off, why don't you just tell us what it is? Okay, the enneagram. Boy, that's it's that's a long story because the enneagram's about at least fifteen hundred years old as a thought process, okay? All right. Uh, it's only been applied specifically to personality, or the Enneagram of personality has only really been a thing for maybe, well, since the 70s, late right. 60s. Um, but the Enneagram as a thought process about, like, well, in its simplest form, the Enneagram is a shape. It okay. is a nine-pointed star, which is a very weird, is a weird shape. Yeah. Um, but that's what it is. And in its first, in the first, the first people who began to talk about it was like, even going, uh, were, were some of the early Christian church fathers, uh, that's its, that's its furthest back because they believed, uh, that, that the Enneagram was an expression of the nine faces of God. Okay. Which is an interesting. Thing. <laughs> yeah, I don't. Right. I haven't done a whole lot of research into it. I'm taking Richard Rohr's. Yes. Uh, 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 I'm getting all this right from from Rohr, mm -hmm. uh, which is not a bad place to get anything. Really. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, uh, um, and so they would think about, which, which actually the nine faces of God then became inverted, okay, and lost to and became the seven deadly sins. That's an interesting, that's an interesting, like, transformation, I guess. Yeah, but, yeah. Um, well, there, there was originally nine deadly sins, which were the inversions of certain aspects of God's character and nature. Okay. And so they, but they'd lopped two off. I'm not, I don't remember exactly how that happened, but there was two that seemed to be almost the same thing. So as another one, and so they just kind of combined them. So it started as the nine, like, faces of God. Yes. But it. It itself today is applied as a similar to like a Myers Briggs thing. Oh, or? almost. Yeah. I, I mean, I would. I hate to put those two things together. Really, to be honest with you. What, what makes them so different? Um, from oh man, well, the biggest thing about the Enneagram, the the, the reason the Enneagram is a tool that I enjoy using, mm -hmm. and um, uh, I have to, especially with with you know the Christians that would come and listen to me talk about the Enneagram, I always have to say, this isn't scripture. I right. don't consider it inspired. <laughs> it's not, you know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, the, I think it's a helpful tool to think about different types of people. Okay. Um, and the different ways that people approach the world. And so, I, uh, but I, I think I lost your question. Well, it's just like, so Myers-Briggs is like, um, you have your, EFNTP or whatever and all that kind of stuff. So it's like you got your personality types there and the Enneagram is similar in that way that, but it uses numbers, right? 
or 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 is just I guess how is that different? Well, it uses the shape. Okay. okay. And we've given each of the points in the enneagram a number, one through nine. It's kind of oddly they're oddly apportioned because nine is at the top. Okay. Okay, and then and then it goes one two three four on the right and and uh, you know eight seven six five on the left. Okay. Right. So right. so they're not. It's it's kind of a weirdly uh, uh, way. So I. Um, but numbers are just ways to talk about these different peaks and of the on the star different. Uh, but uh, yeah, and, and I, I don't like putting it next to Myers Briggs or even some of the some of the other yeah. ones that are out there because uh, I, I feel like it has a different. I feel like it has a a different purpose, and I feel like it has a different um, a different goal. Okay. Uh, I feel like. With Myers Briggs, especially, I mean, when when I got my first Myers Briggs thing back from, I think somebody was hiring me and yeah. they made me take it. Um, I was surprised at how at how insightful right. the test was. Yeah, uh, but I also felt like bounded by this thing. Right. Like, no, this is what you are. So this is what we're going to expect from you. Exactly. Yeah. And I, what I like about the Enneagram is the idea that this is we're I'm not we're not defining you. Mm-hmm. We're helping you see the way you respond to the world because you have within you the ability to respond to the world in all nine of these ways. Okay. Okay. So, so everyone everyone has all everyone nine. has all nine aspects. Okay. You know, if we go back to the early fathers, we all carry the image of God. Some of us more readily carry certain pieces okay. of God yeah. than others. Like I'm more drawn to his compassionate nature or to the fact that he's just or to the fact, you know, these these other things, these other parts of who of God's character. And so I carry those more efficiently, more right. easily. But I am capable as an imager of of being a vessel for all of these different pieces of God's personality. Okay. And the way the Enneagram works is to reveal those efficiencies. Um, I just read a book called the Enneagram. Oh man, what's the name of the book? (laughs) I just finished it like three months ago. I mean, it, it, it looks at the Enneagram through neuroscience, which is really fascinating. Um, and I mean, like the, I think the subtitle was "You are not your number," which, right, which right. I, I've always felt that way about the Enneagram. I've never felt like, but I think people coming from kind of the Myers Briggs perspective and then coming over to Enneagram kind of tend to yeah. put those same kind of ideas on it. They want their own little box. Well, yeah, and they want to be able to use. Well, this is my number, therefore. X Y Z. Uh, you shouldn't be mad at me when I do right, yeah, right, as an excuse, an excuse for certain kinds of behavior or ways of thinking. And the Enneagram should never ever be used that way. Right. Also, we tend to type each other, and uh, the Enneagram would say to you, "Don't ever do that." Right. We should, that we should never do that. Interesting. Um, there's also a million and one Enneagram tests on the yeah. out there on the internet. I would recommend none of them. <laughs> not even the really good ones you have to pay money for. I just wouldn't because that's not that's not how it's supposed to work. You're yeah. not supposed to be this isn't a, something we're testing for. This is 
through self-reflection, through thought, through sitting with these different descriptions. It's identifying both the helpful and the negative ways that we respond to the world. And the Enneagram is a good description of, of those. Right. So why don't we start just, I mean, we'll try and make it as quick as possible, but like, why don't we start there at are one? There nine of them. Yeah. <laughs> why don't we start at one? <laughs> we'll go to nine. Um, and if we have to split this up into two, we'll split it up into sure, two, but it's we like, do that. we'll start at one, go to nine. And then at the end, we'll sort of talk about, um, or I guess we could do this beforehand of saying, you know, why why is this important not just for religious people? Right. Why is it important for someone like me mm-hmm. who who isn't religious, right? Um, but believes that introspection is important and believes that you know personal growth is important. Why is it? Why would? Why is this tool a good tool to use for anybody? Absolutely, I think it's a great tool to use. Well, okay. Why is introspection important? Yeah. Well, who was it? Uh, was it Aristotle or Socrates? The unimagined life or the unexamined life is not worth living. I don't remember one of those two guys. Yes. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I really feel that that's true. That we we exist, right. right? Right. We exist, and beholding the mystery of being, I think is a fascinating, amazing thing. I think it's something that 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 humans need to be doing that we need to be, we're the only ones who are really, so far as we know, I mean, we don't know what's out there, but as far as we know, we're really the only beings who are as aware of our own existence as we are. Right, yeah. There isn't anyone. I mean, maybe the dolphins or the whales or something, who knows, maybe the orca are like totally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we don't know. <laughs> I don't speak orca, right? But as far as we know, we're the only beings in in the universe who are aware of the the reality of our of our own existence right which to me I think that that leads us into we, we should lean into that awareness we should lean into that understanding right not only that but as we walk through life and as we love each other mm-hmm. and, and or not right um, uh <laughs> Man, there's so much. Uh, there's there's so many ways that that unhealthy ways that that we respond to the world right. and to each other, right. and to and finding our way out of those painful and destructive ways of of being with one another, I think is an, is absolutely essential. Yeah. For to be humans together for, for our way forward, especially as there's going to be more and more and more of us on the planet. Right. Right. Yeah. (laughs) So it's a good, it's good for everybody to use to, to understand more about themselves. And I mean, I, I've also used or read into it a little bit. Um, Mm -hmm. and, and it's definitely a great tool to use, um, just to learn more about yourself and understand, it's it's more of like a microscope into your own sure. inner self, really, right. and and it, so it's not like giving you a map of your own person. It's rather just giving you the tools to better search out your inner self right. instead. Which, yeah, I think that's absolutely true. I think that's absolutely important. 
I think even more important than that is the the power that the Enneagram has for empathy. Yeah. Okay, because as I study and I find my own, myself on the Enneagram, oh, this mm-hmm. is the way that I respond to the world. Okay. But then I begin to get insight into the inner life of people that are not like me. Yeah. And recognizing and honoring and seeing people who are not like me and and being in their emotional shoes for a moment. Right. Okay. Um, that's such a powerful thing. I mean, just the just the beginning of until we all recognize that there are people in this world that are very much not like us. Right. That are right. just as valuable as we are, that are just as intelligent as we are, that are just as passionate as we are, that, yeah. uh, you know, uh, but they are radically different than we are. Yeah. And see the world in radically different ways. The Enneagram for me has been such a door into some of those alternate points of view, some of these alternate ways of perceiving the world. It's helped me to see people that in the past I've looked at and said, why on earth would they behave that way? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Like, wh- why are they doing what they're doing? You know, why are you doing this? And I had no ability when I'm, when all I have is questions about them, I have no ability to have compassion for them. But when I begin to understand the narratives that work in, inside them, when I begin to understand the, the kind of primal forces that push them one way or another, or right. that cause them to respond to specific things in a specific way. Oh, now I can begin to say, man, it's really hard to live your life, yeah. right? Yeah. <laughs> to experience the world the way you experience it. Nothing's done that for me like the Enneagram has done. Right. Nothing. It, it's, it's just so incredibly important because when you don't have that, piece to the puzzle of and I guess saying that the Enneagram is more of like a a humbling tool Mm -hmm. um, to help you learn empathy and humility towards others Um, it's just it's one of those things very difficult to learn but really happy that you do because suddenly instead of responding to a person with oh like anger or responding to a person just frustrated and you know you could end or ruin a relationship that you have with a person suddenly you can understand oh you're responding this way and i can't relate to that or or understand it but i i can i can read why and understand how you're thinking this way so i can actually empathize with you and help you in the way that you actually receive help yeah and help them understand where i'm coming from yeah at the same time yeah Oh, well, let me explain this to you in a way that would make sense to the way you see the world, mm-hmm. you know, and that way we, we leave the conversation having connected with each other, having seen each other as human beings yeah, rather than, well, that guy's an idiot, you know? Yeah. 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 <laughs> Even if I might think they're an idiot, but <laughs> <laughs> that happens sometimes, but, but, uh, but that's been the most powerful thing for me. It's been powerful in my marriage mm-hmm. because my wife and I are different numbers, um, it's been powerful with my kids to watch my kids. Now kids are not supposed to really come into their number really until they're in their late teens, early twenties. Yeah. Um, 
but just to see some of these strategies developing in them mm-hmm. as to how they are responding to the world. How do they respond to stress? How do they respond to, you know, what's their general uh, way of existing in the world has been really, really helpful to, to see each of them yeah. and to be like, oh, that makes so much more sense yeah. now. <laughs> you know, and instead of me just responding with, hey, well, why don't you just listen to me? I'm your father. Yeah. You know, that, <laughs> now I can, now I can be, I can be like, you know, I understand this makes you feel unsafe. Mm-hmm. And I want to help you to feel safer. How can I do that? You know, just that kind of a conversation. Yeah. And I've watched, like, my, my oldest boys are 19 and 18. Mm-hmm. And my 18-year-old, we've had deep conversations about the Enneagram. And it's actually helped him with things where he's like, you know, Dad, I'm just, I'm, I'm, I am responding to this out of that place. He's a six, which is a very anxiety ridden number. They kind of are always looking at how many, where's the, where's the exits, you know, kind of, Mm -hmm. and, and, um, when he realizes that he's frozen and can't make a choice because of fear, right? He's able to step back from that and say, that's me operating in that space, but I don't have to do that. Right. And he's started to think about, maybe I should think about it like this. And it's been so cool mm-hmm. to watch him make choices contrary to how he's wired that are really healthy for him. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and so the Enneagram is helped in that way. That's really cool. I just, I, that's one thing I like to see is just how when when people get a hold of it and then really digest it, how much more self-aware they become. Yeah. Where even in a moment of like anxiety or fear or, um, you know, panic or even, it's just like you can stop and be like, I know where this is coming from. And it's instantly becomes a little bit more comforting in that right. moment. So you're, yeah. you know how to um, operate. And move forward and how to deal with those. And you can learn healthy coping mechanisms to mm-hmm. deal with those things. And it's just yeah, really cool. But um, let's start at number one. Okay. And we'll move. We'll start at number one. Sure. And we'll go, we'll go through the nine. Sure. Um, the we'll just, nine. The nine. I always think of <laughs> Lord of the Rings. Yeah. Lord of the-, the, the nine. <laughs> the nine have crossed the river Eisen. Anyway. Um, okay. Uh I've been revealed as a big Tolkien nerd now, uh, but that's okay. I, I am. I adore those books. Anyway, <laughs> I've actually read The Silmarillion, so, uh, it, it, and only Tolkien nerds would, would know what that means and high-five me on it. Do you have yeah. it on the shelf? I don't have it on the shelf. I have the three. I don't have that book yet. I'm growing my book collection. Well, let me just say, it's like reading stereo instructions, but <laughs> it's fun. If you're a big nerd like me. Okay. If you read all the appendices on the original Lord of the Rings trilogy, then you need to read the Silmarillion. Okay. Next. <laughs> Number one. Oh, my gosh. Okay. Well, let's talk about the whole thing. I kind of... Well, I'm trying to think how we want to do this. Right. Because the nine numbers are 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 grouped in certain ways. Yeah. They're talked about in certain ways. Okay. We can go with the groups instead if you want. We can go by grouping. 
I say let's go. I'm trying to think what I want to do. Because I may have to like pull out my phone and double check my information on some of that mm-hmm. some of that stuff. But let's do the grouping first. At least these the three major groupings, which is the the head, the heart, and the gut. Okay. Okay. Uh, those are what are called instinctual uh, centers. Okay. Okay. And each of these centers are uh, what kind of a when you think about where you process, are you a cognitive processor, right? Yeah. Do you think through everything? Are you an instinctual, like, intuitive right. processor? Um, that's the, so the head is the mm-hmm. cognitive center. The more intuitive center, it would be the what we call the gut or the body right. center most People like me who have a little bit of a gut don't enjoy talking about the gut, but <laughs> uh, but it's the body center, okay. And then there's then there's emotional, okay. So you if you process more emotionally, more of a feeler than a thinker, right? Then that's obviously the heart, okay. And the way that looks on the enneagram is the instinctual center, the the body center is is eight, nine, and one, okay, okay. The uh, heart center, would or the emotional center is two, three, and four. Okay. And the cognitive center, the brain center, is uh, seven, six, and five. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, so we split those those three up that way, and honestly, splitting them up that way is a really good way to help you figure out what number you are, because you might say, "Well, I'm." You might read the description of a four or a five and say, well, that matches me. But then you think, but I'm not, but I'm really not, I don't live in my head like that. I'm not cognitive like that. So, oh, I must not be a five. I'm more of an emotional person, so I would be more of a four. Or I'm more of an instinctual person, which that one is a little bit mysterious, but... Right, as right. we move through. And these three things are matched with other things as well. Okay, so um, kind of the three base human needs, okay? Mm-hmm. And now I'm getting into some of the the Christian roots of this, but kind of okay. the three base human needs are security, significance, and my brain just switched off. What's the third one? Uh, belonging. Okay. Security, significance, and belonging. And those align with the... These align with those three things. Okay. So security is the the brain okay. center. Significance is the body center. And belonging is the emotional center. Um, those also align with kind of the three... The three uh, temptations of Jesus, if you're familiar with the three temptations of Jesus. I mean, I'm not sure. Go ahead. Go ahead and explain what those Jesus, are. you know, it, uh, went into the wilderness for 40 days after he was baptized in the river Jordan. Right. Okay. And he was tempted by the devil. And these three temptations were, were aligned with security, significance and belonging. Okay. okay. Um, so, uh, and Jesus was tempted in every way that a man is tempted. Right. So these are the three big temptations and Jesus faced them all anyone and that's one of the beautiful things with that story but the idea here is that the primary i wouldn't necessarily call it a sin but the primary uh a, a negative emotion that is dealt with in each of this in each of those centers is different okay so in the sig in the significance center um we really 
we really process everything through anger. <laughs> right. Okay. We're just angry people. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> That's just the way we are. Kind of every emotion. Uh, it's like the primary motivators. Well, you know, it, even other even other emotions. So if we're sad, it comes out as anger. If we're okay. confused, it comes out as anger. If we're okay, so all these other emotions just kind of show up as anger. Right. So it's like a almost like a filters through that. Yeah, or maybe we only really know how to feel one emotion. Okay, okay. <laughs> Does that make sense? And so we interpret these other emotions as anger. Right. I'm actually afraid, but I don't recognize it as fears. I recognize it as anger. I'm okay. afraid, and that pisses me off, right? <laughs> so, all right. So that's that's that top center, that eight nine one center. Okay. Okay. Um, shame, shame is the is the heart center. Okay. Okay, so every emotion gets interpreted as shame. Why? Because belonging is my my center, my source, okay. my thing yeah. that I'm longing for. Um, Which is the that's the heart. That's the heart okay. center. Yeah, heart center. Belonging is the thing that uh, that we are after. Right. We want to belong, and so and so. What's the opposite of belonging? Shame. Right. Okay. Um, well, I mean, so we've got. Our head center, which is yes. ang- which is our head, is significance and anger. So the things come out through no. anger or, or one body. Or body is significance and anger. Okay, body significance. Body is significance right. and anger. Heart is um, is shame and belonging. Okay. 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 Um, and the head center is fear uh, and security. Okay. Which those obviously make sense together. Yeah. So yeah. Fear and yeah. security. I think your computer's about to die. I don't know if you want to plug that in. <laughs> oh, no, it's that you are running out of space on your hard drive. That's what it is. Okay, great. Should be fine. All right. Go ahead, keep going. All right, so those are the three centers. And then when you break down those centers into their component pieces, okay, mm-hmm. we'll start with, uh, let's start with two rather than one, because we'll go through the heart center. That's the right side of the Enneagram, two, three, and four. And these are people that operate, they, they process mostly through emotion, okay? And their, their deepest need, the thing that they're trying to serve is their need for belonging, connectedness, uh, acceptance. Okay. All right? And twos, threes, and fours, are each going to try for acceptance, belonging, security, or not security, acceptance, belonging. Uh, uh, they're going to try for that in different ways. Right. So a two is a person who is, uh, they're sometimes called the helper. So we're starting, we're going to start we're, we're with start our with groupings. Two. We're going to start with two. Okay. We're so we're starting the heart. Okay. Let's go. All right. We're going to start with two. We'll do two, three, four. Because that's the heart center. Okay. Okay. They're called the helper. Twos mm-hmm. are called the helper. They are the kind of people who uh, are always thinking about the needs of everyone else. They're always serving the needs of everyone else. They're the sweetest, kindest people on the planet. This is how they operate. They're mm-hmm. always looking to everyone else's needs before their own. They're always looking for, uh, you know, that this is how they define themselves in the world is how well everyone else is taken care of. Right, right. Does that make sense? Yes, okay. yes. That's a two. Um, now, the thing that I've, in, that I've noticed 
with some of the internet tests is moms always show up as twos. Right. Right. And Christian women that have been in not, not helpful Christian circles almost always show up as twos. Right. Not because they are twos, but because they've been told the culture is telling them to be twos. Right. Okay. Now, some of them are twos, obviously, but that, but it's one of the reasons I don't like the tests. Right. Right. Because when you're answering questions about yourself, you're going to want to, well, I, I want to look better. And that's where the culture pushes them. Right. Okay? Right. Is to be twos all the time. Um, twos are, are, uh, really beautiful people, really wonderful to be around really because you always feel loved and taken care of whenever you're near. Right. 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 They make people feel welcome. They're all about making sure you're okay. Right. And that's great. Yeah, that's great. Except what they are trying to do is get some of that back. Right. Does that make sense? Yes. So their way of getting accepted is by accepting everyone. Their way of being, uh, of finding belonging is by making everyone else feel like they belong. Right. Their way of being appreciated is by appreciating everyone. Right. Right. So they almost never say no to anything. They're the person that doesn't matter what you ask them to do, they're going to do it. Right. They're the per- you know, that's a two. And, uh, now, twos can, well, well, we'll talk about that in a minute. But, right, right. but okay, so let's move on to threes. Okay. okay. Threes are the, uh, the achiever. Okay. They are the, the driven. Um, they're, the, they're the person, every room they're in, they're top of the class. Right. They're the ones who are constantly like, uh, they, they just have to be the best. They they are most comfortable center stage with the lights on them. That's who they are, mm-hmm. and not only that, they're good at it. Most <laughs> I mean, every three I've ever met, not only do they want to be center stage, but you want them to be center stage. Yeah, because they're good at it. They're great at it. Right. Okay, and they're great at it because this is how they obtain significant. This is how they obtain their their belonging. Right. This is how they obtain their acceptance. Is uh, they become the admirable person. Right. Okay. They love titles. They love achievements. They love trophies. Right. Right. And the reason that they love these things is because they have no innate self-worth. Mm-hmm. I mean, zero. In and of themselves and divorced from anything else, in their, in their most honest moments, they do not feel that they have any worth. Yeah. So they're looking to the outside world for all of that. Imposter, like the imposter syndrome. Exactly. Yeah. They need to make sure that they have proved to everyone in the room that they're worth that they are worth their space, their time, their energy, mm-hmm. and their acceptance. They are just exceptional people. They truly are, but they are because they're just deathly afraid of not being. Right. Yeah. Oh, gosh, I can't even <laughs> think about threes. I get so upset and so sad because here's these exceptional people. But the problem is it works against them mm-hmm. because even though a lot of people might want to be near them, 
they don't, don't really want to know them. Yeah. Does that make sense? That does make sense, yeah. And so threes tend, even though they're reaching for acceptance, they tend to find themselves really lonely. Which is so sad. It is sad. And it's so hard to watch. My dad is a three, and he just retired from being senior pastor at a very large church for 40 years, okay? Yeah. And this process of stepping away from that title, <laughs> away from that respect and notoriety. Of course, everybody still respects him. Everybody right. still thinks highly of him. Right. But the he title. no longer has that title. Yeah. And it's been death for him. It's been so hard. Right. Where I would be like, oh, thank God I don't have to deal with that mess anymore. Right. He's like, who am I now? Do I have any worth? Mm-hmm. You know? At 69 years old, he's saying, do I have any worth? Right. And it's like, wow. I'm just shocked by it. But I'm watching it happen. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know so many others, you know, that, that this is who they are. Mm-hmm. You know, if they're not top of the class, then they are just worthless. Right. Uh, okay, fours. Fours uh, almost invert the acceptance thing, okay? It's almost like... <laughs> They, they want belonging acceptance, but for some reason and in some way, they're all about, they're all about being just the most unique person in the room. Right. That's how they reach for acceptance and belonging, right. is by being the person that's just not like anyone else. Mm-hmm. They're the person that... And the, the thing I hear, okay, from every four... Like, because I have, I guess I have done the class a couple times with small groups. Right. Um, and every time there's one or two fours in the room, and every time they say the same thing, okay, I might be a four, but I am not like the other fours. <laughs> Which is, I would just wait for it. I just wait for that statement because it's, I always hear it. Right. Oh, and it's so funny to me because fours have to be unique unique they have to be individuals they can't and if other people begin to believe and think the way that they do they're probably going to shift mm-hmm. because i can't be like you <laughs> right. we can't be others what do you think no <laughs> this is it's not unique enough not I novel mean, yes we agree mm-hmm. but you don't really agree <laughs> <laughs> let me but let me get into the nuance of the situation right exactly yeah. i think we agree but we don't really agree yeah. I'm a I'm a four. Yeah. Yeah. So it's how does how does that work for you? Um, if I had to guess, I think I I, th- I really don't we I know we're not into the wings yet. Right. I'm pretty sure I'm a four wing three. Okay. Or I might I might be the other one. I'm not exactly sure. Right. Still figuring that out. But um it can be rough sometimes, um, just because I do like to be unique. Yeah. But I've also wrestled with the fact that that's my issue, my own issue with my self-worth, where it's really I just want people to like value me. I want to be accepted in a place and I want them to love me and like me just for who I am. Um, but there's also this drive in me that's like, oh, I want to I struggle with it all the time where it's like I want to do something that no one's ever done before. I want that. I want to do that. Like, and I want it to go down in history. <laughs> it's like, there's so many times where if I don't real, if I don't, if I'm not disciplining 
my thoughts, I can get uh, pretty sad about it because sometimes I feel like I'm not accomplishing that goal. Right. So it's just like learning to discipline that and learning learning that there are a lot of people who are like me. You know, I'm I'm not just. I mean, I'm I'm unique because I'm me, but there are the people who are like me and I can be accepted and, but it's definitely hard to get to that space. I'm not that in that space all the time, if that makes right. sense. So, yeah. yeah. Oh my gosh. Well, I mean, that's the thing is, um, <laughs> one of the things you experience with fours is, uh, this kind of melancholy yeah. that kind of hangs around them. That is, uh, that, that, uh, and because they are the only one of them in the world, uh, <laughs> no one understands my pain, Yeah, which people portray force as being very dramatic. Some force are, yeah. I mean, let's just be honest. Some force Absolutely. are extremely dramatic. I'm one of those. I, I don't know. That's not true of every four. Obviously these are everything that I'm saying here are big, broad, broad uh, you know, brush strokes. Um, but the thing that I find so hard with fours is that when you want to empathize with them, they don't want you to empathize with them, but they also resent that loneliness. Yeah. Does that make sense? It like, makes absolutely No one can understand my pain, and that is the worst thing in the world. And when someone tries to say, you know what, I've been in a similar situation, they're like, you don't know. Yeah. How dare you? <laughs> How dare you think you can understand the marvel that is me, right? Yeah. And it's just like, How can it's you really understand my situation? <laughs> it's frustrating for all of us other numbers here yeah. where we're going, we would really love to be with you in this. Mm-hmm. But you won't let us, right? Right, yeah. Cause then and that's really hard. It's letting go. Because the thing is, is that being able to just, as that per, as one of those people, it's just when you can just, you are totally fine sitting in the, in the sad, yep. deep emotions. And you're just like, I can just lay here and disappear into this abyss. Being sad yeah. is fun. And, <laughs> and if, the thing that I am still learning how to do um, is like this ability to, okay, it's okay for me to go here every once in a while, but I need to let it go if someone is trying to reach out to me um, because they they want to be with me and that's what I'm looking for. And But the issue is that, there's that there is that pull sometimes where it's like, if I say no, then I get to be even more sad. And it's like, (laughs) it's the, it's like the romantic, the romantic ideals of, of being the sad, depressed, artistic person. Oh yeah. I, I'm like, the um, drama, the tragedy. I'm, I'm really sad. Uh, sitting sitting in the dark writing poetry yes yeah and then you get to tell people that yeah (laughs) i was i was writing poetry for two hours in the dark sitting in the dark writing poetry drinking wine from france yeah yeah it's got to be from france it's (laughs) it's like you can't just have a grilled cheese you have to have a oh that's artisanal bread 
that's that's that that cheese is from Italy, and it's and that cheese is from France, and you can't recreate it. So have fun with that. Oh, you bought cheese from the same area of France. Well, I got it from a special store. That yeah, uh, yeah. yeah. It's, <laughs> I can relate to that. Also. The joy of life is in you know, which. Okay, leads us to, okay, so that's the heart center. Right, right. Okay? Right. So let's go over here to the head center now, because if we keep going around to five, okay? Okay. And fives are fascinating people. Fives are one of the ones, there are certain numbers that I find it difficult to really understand the depth of what it means to be that person. And fives are one of those. I'm really, fives are mysterious to me. Mm-hmm. Um, but the basic idea of a five is they're the expert. Okay. They're the ones that know more about a certain thing than anyone else. And everything else in the world doesn't matter except the one thing that they know the most about. Because remember, the five, okay, so this center is the head center, which means that everything's cognitive. And they're looking for security. That's what they're looking for. Fear is their primary uh, emotion that they feel, even when they're actually feeling other emotions. Yeah. Manifests as fear. Okay, so so fives deal with that by withdrawing, by getting by being cold and and cognitive about everything. Everything's about logic. Everything's about understanding. Everything's about yeah. you know one plus one equals two. There needs yeah. there is an explanation to this, and they they are able to make themselves feel secure by their uh, how much they know about the world. Right. Okay. It's their bubble. Yeah. They they understand things deeply and thoroughly. Yeah. Right. And they see. They see the the processes that are underlying the processes. Yes. Yeah. And that and the pro they, those processes explain everything, the whole world, <laughs> and they're the only ones who really get it. Yeah. Right. And they have no patience for people that don't know the things that they know. Right. And that's this is one of the ways that fours and fives are so close to each other for me because, you know, with fours it's like, ugh, you don't even know where that cheese comes from in France, and fives are like, well, you don't know about the special way that it's created by the yeah, uh, <laughs> you don't understand the process exactly. Of it's that same thing of no one understands me. With the fours, it's no one understands me because I'm so different. The fives is no one understands me because I know so much more than everyone else about this thing. Right. This thing or that thing, which is the most important thing ever. Um, fives are also, they're very, uh, they're very cognitive of how much energy they give to any specific thing. Right. Because they have uh, the different numbers on the Enneagram. We talk about energy and how much energy, emotional energy each number actually has not that big a deal for most of them um but for fives and nines they have really low uh their their gas tanks are small okay um now uh for fives a lot of times they have tons of energy for the one thing that's important right i can talk to you all day about engineering exactly but 
uh, oh, you, you, you broke up with your girlfriend and you need to talk to somebody about it. I don't have time for that. Right. I can't, <laughs> which is their cognitive, right? So emotion is, is difficult for them anyway, but the, they also, that's just, they just go deep on things and the, they, they feel good about who they are in the world when they're being recognized as, as having expertise or I'm trying to think there's a word that's escaping me now, but, but um, that's how they add life to the world and that's how they make themselves secure. There's no way they could ever fire me because I know more about this than anyone else. Yeah. And they're stingy with their information. Yep. They're not going to, they're just not going to let you in, you know, because because this is their fortress that they've built mm-hmm. on themselves. So fives are fascinating people. Almost every five I've ever met wears glasses. <laughs> I don't know if because they've spent a lot of time reading or what, but that's just, just the way. But also that's they're a withdrawing number. So the, they don't engage with the world. They sit back and watch. Right. Observe. Um, yeah. yeah. Observe and collect data. Yep. That's what they do. And... Uh, that's really cool about them, but it's also kind of infuriating. Yeah. It's like, Engage well, if you know so much about this, then maybe you could fix something. Right. And yeah. it's just like, no, then I'd have to explain it to someone else. Uh, but <laughs> 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 so fives are interesting people. They tend to be engineers, that kind of thing. Right. Um, so they're great. Um, but, uh, okay, sixes. Sixes are the hall monitors of the world. They're the safety instructors. Right. Um, they are uh, one of the things I didn't say in the in the heart center is that the the middle number of all the numbers is always the most kind of ensconced in their center. Okay. Does that make sense? Right. Okay. So of two, three, and four, three is the most emotional. Is really has no ability to process outside of emotion. Right. They're not good. They just can't connect with cognitive. They just can't connect with. It doesn't mean they can't be logical people, but it just means that they're. Yeah. And it's because they don't have a wing in one of the other. Yeah. But we'll talk about wings when we're done with the numbers. So, um, uh, sixes are right in the middle of that of that uh, mindset. Yeah. Okay. Um, and so. Their brains, every six I know, is already thinking of 20 ways to fix what might happen. Right. All the things that might go wrong, all the things that maybe, oops, maybe that'll happen, maybe that, you know. They're thinking of, okay, I talk about my son, who's a six, uh, when he was, I'm trying to think how old he was, second or third grade, okay. Um, He missed a day of school, and it was the day before the field trip. Okay, so I get him to school the next day, and he's like, "Dad, I can't go to school today." And I was like, "You missed yesterday, and you're not sick anymore. You're fine." He's like, "Yeah, but I didn't hear the instructions on the field trip, and so what if I miss the bus? And what if they leave without me?" <laughs> and he had all this whole list in his head of all of the things that might happen because he hadn't been there the day before to hear all the instructions about this field trip. And I just, I just shook my head and said. How do you live in your brain, man? <laughs> I don't even understand that. That's so hard. Oh my gosh. Um, the, the the planners, planning, planning, planning. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and the reason they're planning is because there's so much that could go wrong. Right. And the way they're trying to make them remember they're searching for security. Okay. And the way they're trying to make themselves secure 
is by having all the plans in place for all the things that could go wrong because something's obviously going to go wrong. Right. Now, sixes manifest in two different ways. And this is one of the interesting things about sixes, okay? There is a phobic six and there's a counterphobic six, okay? The phobic six is all about loyalty, all about I'm going to follow the rules to a T. I'm going to stick to the to the regulations. We are going to do things exactly the way they should that are written down in the book, right? Um, et cetera. That's you know that's how they operate. Yeah. Okay? we're going to go through each instruction one yes. by one as they're written. Absolutely, and not only that, they're going to find the most trustworthy, safe person in any space they're in, and they're going to become that person's right hand man. Mm-hmm. That's how that's how they are. Now, counterphobic sixes. Don't trust anyone or anything <laughs> because they are in danger. Therefore, when authority comes in, any kind of any kind of instruction wasn't well written. Yeah. They don't know what they're talking about. I'm the only one that can figure this out, <laughs> right? <laughs> because that's they don't see all the all the problems that they're leaving out, okay? And and so they act out against authority. They don't become loyal. They become uh, you know, they're the rabble rouser. They're the ones saying, don't trust them. Right. Uh, and so, uh, and a, the same six can be phobic in one situation and counterphobic in another. Okay. So my son, when he was a kid and he went to school, he was the rule follower, period. Right. At home, not so much. <laughs> okay. At home, mom and dad we're not worth trusting mom and dad can't you know does that make sense right so, yeah 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 my dad is a six yes and it's just funny because ever since i could remember when we went on family vacations there was always a schedule that was written out um and given to everybody which you know practically pragmatically sure. you know that makes sense for like a big family heck yeah uh but when I got older and older, I was like, wait a second, we're on vacation. Like you can't like planning to relax is a, it's like, we're going to relax from two to 3 PM and then we're going to move on. Yeah. It's like, we're going to like those kinds of things. Like when we went on road trips, it was every two hours we're stopping. Yes. It didn't matter. It didn't matter if everyone was like, Oh no, we're fine. We can go for another hour. It was every two hours we're stopping. We're using the bathroom, we're getting drinks, stretching our legs, filling up gas, and then we're going every two hours of stop, 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 stop. <laughs> Which, I mean, it's a it's a good system. Sure, fine. But it's, it's, it's definitely like, as I got older and older, I was like, oh, this makes sense. This makes sense for him. Yeah. 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 He's definitely got a wing five, too, uh, with because he just, you know, such a deep dive on so many things, and he's such a knowledgeable man. Right. Right. Um, yeah. Yeah, I see that completely. <laughs> and I, when with each of these numbers, I hope, and we're just doing these cursory descriptions, and there's so much more we could say. Right. But I hope that with each of these numbers, either that's resonating with people and they're saying, yeah, I think that's me, or they're getting an insight into someone they know. Right. Something. And hopefully, because the hope is always for me with the Enneagram is always empathy. The hope is always, oh, I see them in a completely new new light now. No wonder they do things like that. That's always annoyed me about them, but now maybe I can 
You know what I mean? Like just give them a little more space yeah. because, oh, that's how they operate. Okay. When they're doing that, they're seeking security. Oh, they really don't feel safe. And that's why, right? right? That was such a big revelation for my wife and I about our son that his problem when he was being counterphobic was that he did not feel safe. Mm-hmm. He didn't feel that we, our leadership was trustworthy in that moment. And so that became a conversation with him. Yeah. Where we would say, okay, why don't you feel safe right now? You know, what is it about what we're doing or the thing that we've asked you to do that makes you feel threatened? Yeah. And then we can find a way out of it. Right. Rather than, you're a ridiculous child, just do what you're told. You know, it became a completely different conversation. Okay. Seven. Sevens are fun. They're the happy-go-lucky person. They are kind of ADHD kind of people. I'm not making diagnoses. I'm just saying sevens don't sit still. Right. Because their method of seeking security is ignoring fear. They're going to not feel that fear that's there because fear's not fun. Fear's painful. So never mind. Let's keep going. They skip from one thing to the next. Their deepest fear is the fear of missing out. Yeah. Where they're constantly thinking... Oh man, I didn't go to do that thing. I know I'm doing this thing and it's really fun, but what's next? That's their always, it's always their question in the middle of doing something that they're enjoying. Even if they're really enjoying it, the question is what's next, right? What's next? What am I going to do next? Where, where are we going to go? How are we going to, how are we going to do this? They skip along the surface of life mm-hmm. and because underneath that surface, there's painful stuff and pain is not allowed yeah. in a sevens world. If I run fast enough. Yep, I just got to keep going, keep moving, keep going from one thing to another. And hopefully my feelings won't catch up with me. They do. (laughs) Of course they do. That's the problem. Yes, they do. And it doesn't doesn't work for long, Mm -hmm. uh, which is why sevens will eventually crash and go through moments of real pain. And hopefully they won't resort to addictive behaviors, Mm -hmm. but a lot of sevens do. Because any way of igno- of avoiding staying numb, <laughs> right. uh, that's what they're going to choose almost every single time, um, and it's really hard. But that's but uh, most people that know a seven think of I mean because they are really fun most of the time. Yeah, they're the life of the party, right? Right. Um, but what we don't recognize is that they're the you know they're just. Uh, treading water as hard as they can. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and that's what all that fun is. All that fun is just, I don't want to feel anything. Right. Other than. Yeah. Enjoyment of life. Right. I just want to enjoy everything. Yeah. My, well, now Mm ex-girlfriend, she was a seven. Well, not was a seven. She is a seven. She's still, she's not dead. She's still a seven. (laughs) Thankfully, she's not dead. Yeah, Yeah. She, she's wonderful, but. But if you had killed her, it would have been in such a unique way. I know. It, uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, for me, I'm being a four and her being a seven. Yeah. I just to use that treading water analogy. I can sit on the bottom of the lake and be That's like, "That's your favorite place to live." Like, come join me down here. And she's <laughs> like, "No, you come up here." And while I mean, learning this as a uh, as a couple, we. That was one of those things where it was really helpful for us because I was like, I don't understand why you can't just open up 
and be emotional with me because mm-hmm. I'm being emotional with you. Yes. And she was, and she, so she was explaining like all the time. I just couldn't relate to it all that. Well, I could re- relate to it to an extent, but like it was all in her head. She was like, my head, my head, my head. I'm like, just feel it. Let it feel, man. Center. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So it was like, it got to that. She was trying to deal with those things. And well, growing up with a six, I still like to plan. Um, I still like to plan what's going to happen. Sure. Um, and she was like working on living in the moment, like being present instead of like, where are we going to go next? What are we going to do next? But then I would say, so what are we going to do? Next? <laughs> what are we going to do next while we're there? Cause I'm like trying to plan it. Um, and she'd be like, I need to stop doing that. And it was just an interesting, really a good learning experience because we were so completely different in in that way. So completely different. Like she's in her head and I'm in my feelings. And it's like we had to learn how to connect between those two. And it was a difficult thing. But it was still a great learning experience for both of us. Right. And I think a seven would be really good for a four in some ways because you're going to pull them out of the right. muck and the mire. Yeah. And a four maybe will pull that seven down, make him sit for a minute. Yeah. Um, but right. it would be quite a tension right. in, a, in a relationship after a while. For sure. Stop, Stop trying, trying to make me do what I don't want to yeah. do. Yeah. <laughs> it was definitely it was definitely good because it was like she would get me out and about, you know. Um, we're going to go out. We're going to go have beers at a pub and just talk and have a good time. And then when she was feeling like emotional and wanted to avoid that, I'd be like, let's sit and figure it out. And it was a little bit of just like balancing us both. And it was good for both of us. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. But it would be a constant tension. It was constant, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, see, that's one way, you know, that the Enneagram is helpful in relationships is when you understand this is how they're built. Yeah. This is what they're going to (laughs) do. You can make some space when you can recognize and name, okay, this is what's happening. Uh, My wife is uh, is an eight, okay? So we'll move on to, so that was the cognitive center, Mm -hmm. okay? Always reaching for security, um, trying to stay safe. All right. The... Uh, intuitive center, the uh, body center right. um, is a little bit, I, even though I'm smack dab in the middle of it, uh, is, is we're not quite as aware of, you know, head and heart make sense to us, right? Because feelings and thoughts, right? But there's this third thing, which is the intuitive place, which is not so, it's not cognitive and it's not emotional. It's just, it's, you know, mm-hmm. it's just there, right? right? How does that even work? We, it's a it's a different thing, um, but it's definitely real and and uh, and it's it's a physical thing. Some people actually even call this the sexual yeah. um, center, which I that implies things that don't don't aren't actually true. But still, especially for uh, ones who would probably think. Sex is dirty and gross, but anyway, uh, but <laughs> but well, we're not there yet. So let's <laughs> okay. So eights, 
Okay. It's our power people. And if I would say anything about the body center, it's that, is that we're about, um, uh, you know, f- forcefully. Might, like strength. There's, there's a strength thing. And what we're looking for is, because what we're looking for is significance. Right. Right. I don't just want to do something. I want to do something that matters. Yeah. Right. I don't, I would never be able to have a job that was just nine to five, punch in, punch out kind of a thing. Right. Okay. Because I need, I need significance in the world. And if I feel like what I'm doing is not making a difference, I'm not going to stick around. That's just who I am. That's how I operate. Right. And you can't make me. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm not going to, well, that's the, a more eight kind of <laughs> energy. But so eights are forceful. They are um, uh, just powerful people, the kind of people that walk into a room and immediately take charge. And the reason eights have that kind of power in, in, in themselves is because they are completely convinced that they see the world the way it is. Right. For eights, it is nearly, it is almost impossible for them to admit that anyone that sees the world in a way that they do not could be correct. Does that make sense? Well, even a broken watch is right twice a day, right? Like that's, that's as far as they could go. Okay. Um, because they're just deeply convinced that they see the world correctly. And, and so because they see the world correctly, they also see what needs to be fixed and they have the energy and the authority and the power to fix it. Right. Okay. And they trust in those things. They trust in their own power. They trust in their own agency. They trust in their own ability. Right. And that's the source of their significance is I have the energy and the ability to make, to make things work. Right. And that's the only thing that's important to them is does it work? No, we're not going to spend, I, I, I know fours and fives. I know you're going to have a lot to say about theory and thought process, blah, blah, blah. I don't care. Yeah. That's all bull crap. Let's just get it done. Right. All right. That's the eight. That's who they are. And there are people with great personal power. Um, the, when I, when I see, I love eights. I have a bunch of female eights around me, mm-hmm. just a ton. And, um, uh, and that wasn't on purpose, but that's just the, the way it is. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just what has happened. But uh, my, because eights at their best can actually loan their power out to other people. Yeah. And I've seen that happen in such beautiful ways where they'll be like, oh, like, um, uh, you know, encountering a person who feels like they have no agency, no power in their world. And they'll just come along, stand right next to them and say, well, you don't have any power, so I'll give you mine. Right. And they're not even doing a forum. They're just saying, you can do this, and I'm going to be here to help you. You know, and you watch things happen. It's like, wow, it's amazing. Right? But it can also steamroll people. Right. <laughs> Completely ignore them and be like, I don't have time for complaints. That's <laughs> just, it's just kind of the way. This is the way it is, and, and you got to deal with it. Exactly. You're coming along for the right. Yeah. There's no time for discussion. When, what are we doing? Let's just do it. Exactly. Right? Yeah. And so they, these are the kinds of people, uh, you know, that they can either 
they can be such powerful people on the for, for the forces of good, but they can be such powerful people on the other side because they're deeply convinced that they're correct. Right. You know, Conviction. former President Trump is is an eight. Yeah. And um, I don't want that to be something that colors all eights that we know. Right, right. Because there's a big difference between mature people of a number and healthy people of a number and very and deeply insecure and unhealthy people of, of that number. And I would say President Trump was a deeply insecure eight. Yeah. Um, but that's the way. And because there's no, you know, when, what is it? When you're a hammer, everything's a nail. Right? Yeah. That's, right. That's an eight, right? I'm just going to pound on everything because that's exactly the, what I need to do to fix it all. Yeah. You know, there's no other. And there's not another tool for this job. I have the one that I need. Exactly. And I'm going to. Here we go. Here we go. We're going to do it till it's done. Get out of my way. Don't complain because you weren't doing anything. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And uh, and so it is. Eights are amazing, yeah. <laughs> amazing people. <laughs> I find eights and threes usually are the people that end up in leadership positions. Yeah. Threes because they need the attention and eights because they know how to do it better than anybody else. Right. And nobody else is doing it, so just get out of my way, right? <laughs> Lead, follow, or get out of the way. It was an eight that said that. Okay. Yeah. It's interesting because uh, Logan and Holly, oh, Logan is a three and Holly is an eight. <laughs> it's and it's incredible to see them because they they are both just great leaders, and it's interesting to see them interact with each other in those headspaces because it's like, it's like watching, an an unstoppable force and an immovable object. Sometimes it's just like you see some firecrack, fireworks going off. Sometimes lightning and thunder. You're just like, okay, guys. Yes. It's interesting. It's wonderful. I, my mother's an eight and my dad's a three. <laughs> so yep. there you go. They pair together. Um, and uh, and uh, my wife is an eight uh, and I'm a nine. So let's talk about nines. Okay. Oh boy. Nines. It's hard to, it's hard to talk about my own number. Yeah. Um, nines are the peacemakers of the world or the people that want everyone else to just get along with the people that want everybody else to see each other. Mm-hmm. Which is one of the reasons that nines love the Enneagram. Okay. Fives love the Enneagram because I can go a deep dive on this and I can become an expert and whatever. Nines love the Enneagram because this gives me insight into everyone else. And I generally have an insight on everyone else. Anyway, this just deepens it. It helps me to, helps me to understand people. Um, Nines are are interested in peace. That's what we want more than anything else. Peace. Uh, meaning, we don't want conflict. Right. Okay. Which means most nines are extremely conflict averse. Like, I'm not going to confront you. I'm not going to whatever. Um, uh, because I, I, I hate that. I hate that feeling. I hate that thought that I'm going to have to have a hard conversation with you. Um, uh, Cause I see where you're coming from, but I see where they're coming from. <laughs> and nines tend not to have very many opinions of their own. Right. Okay. They tend to say, I see, I, I can see all sides of this. I don't know which one I want to pick. I don't have a, you know, and the most exhausting thing in the world for a nine is having to make a decision. Right. It's really, really exhausting. It's so hard to do. And I hate it when when 
my wife, who's an eight, who has all the energy in the world, eights have more energy than any other number. Right. We talked about fives having low energy. Nines have even lower energy. And eights have boundless, unstoppable <laughs> energy. Um, like the emotional energy. Yes, the emotional energy. They just do. Okay. That, uh, and so... When when my wife, who's an eight, is asking me as a nine to make a decision, I'm like, "Why are you asking me?" Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I'm the wrong, I don't want to make a decision. And as a leader, you know, I'm a pastor of a church. I don't have decision making is the most exhausting thing for me in the world, mm-hmm. and so I have to make decisions all the time. And after just a little while of that, I'm like, I'm done. I can't do it anymore. I'm so exhausted. I just can't even think about it. You know, just, please, somebody else do this. I don't want to do it. And so it's really, really tough sometimes. But um, that's how we operate. And nines are also withdrawing numbers, like the five who, who backs away. Nines don't back away because... We want to observe the world. Nines back away because non-existence is 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 a form of peace. Right. So I want to. I'm just going to cease to exist. Yeah. And obviously not in a suicidal way, but I'm just going to. I'm going to cease to be a factor because at the core of who we are, we do not believe. Just remember that. My whole significance is my whole universe, right? It's all it's all that I really want, right? But nines being that center number also it means that that's all I really want is significance. But it also means that I don't really believe it's possible, yeah, for me to be significant. And because I don't believe it's possible, and because it's the only thing I want, I'm just gonna stop. So nines fall asleep at the drop of a hat. Yeah. Why? Because it's non-existence. Nine love nines love it like escapist. You know, I want to escape into a book or escape into it because it means that I don't have to be juggling all these emotional walls and I don't have to be thinking about how everyone's thinking and I don't have to whatever. Yeah. So that's that's a nines world. And yep, that's me. So. <laughs> <laughs> You said withdrawing numbers. So are there certain numbers that withdraw? Nine is a withdrawing number. Five is a withdrawing number. And um, four can be a withdrawing number as well. Okay. Okay. Once we're done with one, I want to be able to go into... Because you we you said a lot about the different emotional energies. Yes. And I would would be interested in, in wondering where the average numbers are and then which ones are higher and which ones are lower. Sure. Um, Like just on average, I guess. So, all right. So ones are perfectionists. Um, Ones are the, uh, they, they gain their significance by, um, by bringing, fixing error. Right. Okay. Um, very much how eights, you know, are like, this is the way the world should be. Ones um, are hypercritical of, of the whole world. And everything should be in its proper place. Everything needs to be, you know, following its... In. They love to be teachers because the way that they add value to the world is by informing 
the world of the way things should be. And they have this unstoppable belief that everything could be made just a little better. Right. They really do. Now, they see that as a beautiful, powerful thing. But a lot of people hear that as criticism. <laughs> <laughs> you know, this is great, but it could be a little bit better. Right. You know, depending on what the other number is or whatever the the person, you know, you bringing that, this is great. That's really all they wanted to hear. They didn't want to hear about, you could have done this better and this better. Right. Ones think they're helping you by bringing you that, yeah. that information. They're, they think that's a great beautiful thing that they're doing for you. Most people don't receive it that way, of course, but they do. But the most powerful critic in a one is in themselves. They're pointing that they see things so well and they see how things should be and they're pointing that right in at themselves and they live in this place of constant I'm getting this wrong, I'm getting that wrong, I'm getting this wrong, all these things I'm getting wrong, I'm just not doing anything right. And it's really sad. I mean, you get inside the head of a one, and they are just, ooh. I mean, that, I, that's, I, it hurts yeah. to think about. This is one of those ways that empathy, I've been given so much empathy for ones because cause I look at them and I'm thinking, man, you just don't, you're doing so well and you just don't, you can't hear it. Yeah. You can't see it. You know, you can't forgive yourself for those little mistakes. And that's just so tough. But that's a, that's that's a one. They're, they they see the world and they see it's they're kind of black and white. They're kind of like this is how it should be and this is what it looks like. Yeah. They don't have the power and the energy of an eight to just make things happen. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're more of the kind of coming alongside and saying, "Hey, this could be a little better." You know, they're uh, uh, they're great for like. They're pretty good at planning things, actually. Ones yeah. are pretty great at planning things because they're thinking through all this stuff. Um, and because, you know, they've got that two wing over there, so they're helpful sometimes too. But, but, uh, but you know, they're just not, they, they can also be kind of annoying because they're. <laughs> I'm pretty sure my mom is a one. I'm not 100% certain on that one, but it makes sense to me that a one and a six would get together. Um, because you've got the six who's constantly trying to make sure everything is okay. And then you've got the one who can improve upon all those things. Well, the other thing about ones is they, they have such a sense of justice. Right. And your mom is so that. Yeah. She's got this, just such a sense of that's not fair. Yeah. And we need to make that better. That's wrong. And we need to make it right. And that's a very one we got to fix this. Yeah. We're going to fix this now. Yeah. yeah. That, that's a very one place to live. They honestly believe they, they're reaching for perfection because they believe that it's possible in themselves and in everything around them. They really believe that perfection is attainable. Yeah. And uh, that's so awesome. Yeah. Um, because I don't believe. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just going to give up and just say, screw it all. I don't care because I'm a nine and I'm just going to, I'm going to go to sleep. (laughs) I'm going to go take a nap. And the one's going, we could still fix this. And I'll, I'll I'll look at it and I'll be like, no, the, the imperfection is what makes it beautiful. (laughs) You don't get it. That's what makes it unique. You don't understand. Oh, exactly. (laughs) Oh, isn't it awesome? Yeah. But I could just, I totally can see it like where like you've got, 
uh, six saying, okay, I think I've planned out the best route, the best route to the exit out of this building. And then the one comes over and says, well, actually, you can go faster if you go this way. Yeah. <laughs> and they're like, are we in love right now? <laughs> Did we just become best friends? Yeah. Yeah. I, that's that's amazing. <laughs> okay. So that's all the numbers. We made yeah. it through. Isn't that great? Congratulations to us. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Wings. Let's talk about Should we talk, We're talking about wings. Should we split it into two? Yeah, I mean, I don't know, man. It's your podcast. I guess I could just say... Uh, or you can just, like, stop here and then start it again after. I, don't, I mean, whatever you want to do. Well, we can always. I can always just add a, second, a little blurb at the beginning. So that was the first half of the conversation with Josh Hawkins about the Enneagram. Um, I really hope you enjoyed it. I'll be releasing the next half next week. Um, for you got where we talk about wings and the emotional energies of all of them um, and get into some other topics as well. But thank you so much for listening. We appreciate you. Com- we appreciate Josh coming on. Um, it was wonderful talking to him and we appreciate you and, and, and listening to the podcast. So we'll see you next week. Thanks for tuning in. Bye.